Hey friends, this is Jeff and Gary Rayburn. I got my partner alongside of me. Hi, my name is Fred Mooney. I'm excited to be here on the Channel 21 conference line. Yeah, we've got a program tonight that we recorded on our conference line, and we're going to invite you to come join us every week on Thursday nights on our conference line, and you can hear messages like this one that you're going to listen to on tonight's program. What time does it start, Gary? Well, let's see. If we're East Coast, it'll be 6 p.m. on Thursday nights. Central time, where we're located, it's 5 p.m. Rocky Mountain time is 4 p.m. What about that West Coast out there? You mean California, eh? Yeah. That'd be 3 p.m. Yeah, we've got a couple of great chaplains out there in California, and they tune in at 3 p.m. every Thursday and join us right here on our conference line. Now, what's that phone number? The phone number is 727-731-5062. That is 727-731-5062. Thursday nights at 6 p.m. and no access code needed. So you're invited to join us each week right here on Channel 21 Ministries conference line. I'm driving when the sun goes down The hum of 18 wheels Lord, that's a lonely sound I spend all day Chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever to the day I gotta see I gotta look around I got diesel smoke rolling From two chrome stacks My address is 408-414 A big blue mag Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever to the day that I die I said hey Friends, this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn, Lonesome Road Ministry, and I got my partner with me. Hi, I'm Fred Mooney, and I am so excited to be here. Hey, yes, sir, we are excited. We've got Jessica Horton going to join us with some songs, and we got a message by our great chaplain, Richie Turnbow. I love to hear her sing, and I love to hear him preach. That's just <laughs> the simple truth of the matter. Oh, it's going to be a great program. So let's jump in there with uh, Jessica Horton, a song she wrote just for the drivers out there on the road. She wrote this for Lonesome Road, Volume 3, The Rambler. Well, I seen that title. I thought it was about a car at first. <laughs> 
It's about a bunch of these uh, people that like to run up and down the highway like our listeners right now. So let's put this on by Jessica. is the Rambler. That's a song that Jessica Horton wrote just for the drivers out there on that old lonesome road. I really like her stuff. Very talented. And she is part of Mac Records, uh, Studio 115A down in Columbus, Mississippi. That's where we produce our Lonesome Road Volume 1, 2, 3, and 4. Now, some of these drivers out here were songwriters or singers, and they'd like to get a hold of of uh, Dennis McKay. How would they do that? Well, I'll tell you what. We'll just give them Dennis's phone number. That's the best way I know. And it's 662-889-2829. Mac Records. Uh, give Dennis a call and tell him you heard some of his work on Lonesome Road, Church on the Road. And he'll be glad to talk to you. He'll be glad to help you with your project. And speaking of getting help with a project, I handed Jessica a a sheet of lyrics that I'd written called Stay at Home. And I'll tell you what, she turned that into, I think it's a great song, but I may be a little biased. Oh, I don't think so at all. I think it's a great song, too. (laughs) Let's let our listeners listen to it. And uh, this is off of Lonesome Road, Volume 4. Jessica Horton and a song called Stay at Home. 
way You pass the point of no return While listening to the engine moan It reminds you of all that you've done wrong You think about your family Waiting on you back home And it kind of makes you wonder Why you do the things you've done Across this country, searching for your youth. You don't know why you keep driving, you don't know what else to do. You think about your life and the lessons that you've learned. The road is a jealous mistress, she won't let you stay at home. Well, you stop at the next truck stop to fuel your rig and call back home. That lonesome creep upon you Like the icy fingers of the cold You pretend it doesn't bother you But you just want to explode And then you start to wonder Why you do the things you've done Riding across this country Searching for your youth You don't know why you keep driving You don't know you learn the road is a jealous mistress she won't let you stay at home on the lonely lonesome highway 700 miles a day you spend half your life sitting in a cab driving the rest of it away About the life you've led while you're out there on the run As you get back to your wondering Why you do the things you've done Riding across this country Searching for your youth You don't know why you keep driving You don't know what else to do You think about your life And the lessons that you learn The road is a jealous mistress you stay at home You know the road is a jealous mistress She won't let you stay at home And that was Jessica Horton's Stay at Home And next we're gonna have Richie Turnbow Yes, we got a message by Richie Turnbow And we've titled this Stand in the Gap Stand in the gap. What a great message. What a great partner Richie Turnbow is with Channel 21 Ministries, Lonesome Road Ministries. He preaches uh, on our conference line about once a month, so make sure you jot that number down and call us on Thursdays and check out who's speaking on the conference line. We bring the church to you on the road. Here's Richie Turnbow. Thank you again, guys, for this opportunity to come together tonight in the Lord's house to speak one another um, about the goodness and the blessings of God. And and I'm always, uh, it encourages me to hear what you guys are doing and hear the praise reports and uh, hear the, the healings and uh, all the answered prayers that God gives us. And it just reminds us that all good things come from above. And so that encourages today, encourages me um, I am going to speak a message tonight the Lord has given me. Now, ladies, I'm primarily going to be speaking towards the men tonight, but I don't want you to tune me out. I do not want you to tune me out. I know most of you here are married, and, and you're, you're going to want to hear about this message. You're going to want to hear what the, the Lord is saying to our men today. And I'm going to need your encouragement. I'm going to need your amens and your support on this because a lot of times, when you're when you're talking to the men and you're stepping on their feet just a little bit, they're not going to give you those amens and claps and stuff that you'd like to see. So I'm going to need the support of you ladies tonight. But I'm going to start this message tonight with a question. And the question is this. Is being a good man good enough? That is the question tonight. Is being a good man good enough? 
We need tonight to recognize the difference between a good man and a godly man and the need for a godly man. In Ezekiel chapter 22, the word of the Lord says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. In the United States Marine Corps, it clearly states that they want a few good men. Now, honestly, only the best of those best of the men can make it through their training. There is a song written by Bill Gaither stating that God needs not only a few good men, but many good men. And this was accented by highlighting a few or many of those men who on 9-11 demonstrated tremendous courage in the face of possible death. So this world needs good men. Can you say amen to that? But I offer a Pentecostal question tonight. Does God want good men? Or does God want godly men? You see, godly men are good, but good men are not necessarily godly. So is being good alone good enough? That is the question. You see, good men are well-liked by man, but a godly man are loved by God. A good man will do the right thing, but a godly man does things right. A good man has a good view of today. But a godly man has a good view of eternity. A good man is known for his actions, but a godly man is known for his heart. A good man will meet physical needs, but a godly man will meet spiritual needs. A good man will crowds follow, but a godly man follows Christ. So the question truly is tonight, what is God looking for? A good man or a godly man? As these questions filled my heart and soul, and as I sensed God leading me to this subject, there were two biblical stories which I was reminded of. And my heart was drawn to the story found in Second Chronicle of Judah's king Asa. Scriptures record that when Asa came to the throne, he did what was good and what was right in the sight of the Lord, and removed all the pagan altars in the high places. Furthermore, he shattered the pillars and he stalled up the Asherah poles which were worshipped. He influenced his people of Judah to seek God for all things. When the million-man army of Ethiopia came to make war against him, he sought God's help first, and God gave him victory against incredible odds. Read with me in Second Chronicles 14. As Asa cried unto the Lord his God, he said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa, and before Judah and the Ethiopians fled. You see, this put fear in the other kings and gave peace to Asa. Yet this isn't the end of the story. Some 30 years later, when king of, of Israel attacked Judah, Asa went to another king and not God for help. While they won the victory, Asa lost the blessings of God. Now, you and I may tend to this as a no-big-deal situation because they won the battle, but it was a big deal with God, and it's still a big deal with God today. God sent Hananiah to Asa with a message of confrontation about his actions. Read with me in Second Chronicles 16. And at that time, Hananiah the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said it to him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and hast not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thy hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a, a, a huge host with very merry chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thy hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. Now, listen, men, based on my reading of God's word, it does not appear that God is just looking for good men. He is searching and he is seeking and he is in a quest for those men whose hearts are completely his and perfect towards him. 
men like David, who decreed before God, created me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. Men like Paul, with perseverance, having stood the test, ran the race of faith, and reached for that high mark of the calling of God through Christ Jesus. Men who are focused on God's word, following and obeying Jesus. You see, the man of God flees from sin. The man of God pursues godly character. The man of God fights for the faith. The man of God takes hold of eternal life. The man of God is he who draws near to God. See, the man of God knows that Jesus Christ is not a religion. The man of God knows that Jesus Christ is a reality. And on this reality we stand tonight, and on our Redeemer we stand, and on our reward we stand, men who are awake to holiness and men who are awake to righteousness. You see, men who plant their feet by the rivers of living water, like a mighty oak, and cannot be moved, who wave their banners high and proclaim, My God can do anything but fail. But see, becoming one of these men is not for the faint of heart or those who are half-hearted, lacking loyalty. It requires courage and commitment. Remember, men, his eyes are still running to and fro looking for such men. And in the second story is found over in Ezekiel 22. For me, this is a sister type of story to King Asa. This points out to the men and the dads and the granddads that God expects you to lead spiritually and to lead your home spiritually. You see, the story of God's chosen people is this. The Jewish nation, which could not get along, just like many Christians today, is divided into two kingdoms. Israel is in the north, and Judah is in the south. In particular, Israel was well documented for having one wicked king after another, just like their people. Simply put, God warned Israel and called on them to repent of their wickedness and to turn and follow him only. Their response was to reject God's call. And for this reason, they paid a price. You see, resisting God demands a price. Around 722 B.C., the northern kingdom of Israel fell to the Assyrians and were taken in captivity. In around 586 B.C., the southern kingdom of Judah fell into the Babylonians and were taken to captivity. So instead of living in the land of promise, they wound up living in the land of captivity, the land of penalty, and the land of cruelty. And why did this happen? And God answers the question. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. You see, today God is searching for men. God is searching for good, godly men who will repair the wall, the walls of our culture, the walls of our country and the walls of our homes and the walls of our churches that are falling apart today. God is searching for men who will not only repair the wall, but also stand in the gap before him. You see, there is a gap between mankind and God. God is righteous and mankind by nature is unrighteous. So men, we rebuild the walls by answering his call. When Jesus ministered on the earth, he called 12 men to follow me. Today we talk about walking with God, but we can never walk tall with God until we follow after Christ. You see, Christ stood in the gap between our wickedness and God's righteousness. He gave up his life to fill that gap. God is calling men today to be the one, the one who will repair the wall and stand in the gap because their heart is completely devoted to him. Men who will stand and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Men who will grow in faith and enjoy the mercies and grace of God. Men who realize that there's power in the blood. Men who realize that there's power in the Christian walk. And men who realize that there's power in the affectionate, fervent prayer of the righteous. Men who will reach out by faith and take those things of God that has been prepared for those that love him. Men who embrace the words of Jesus when he said, In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Men who are filled with the power of God. But before I give the characteristics of the man of God is looking for, 
it might serve us well to determine if we are indeed a man. You see, there is a difference between a grown-up boy and a man. This culture has lied to us about what it means to be a, a man, just like it has lied to us about what it means to be a father. Almost any male can contribute to the birth of a baby. But being a dad, being a father requires more, a lot more. Being a godly father requires these eternal traits that we're going to talk about. First of all, patience. Godly fathers who practice patience have staying power and don't waver when things get hard. This is one attribute that godly dads cannot do without. You see, godly fathers are moral. This simply means that his decisions are rooted in something greater than himself. He looks to something higher. He's selfless. He's righteous. He knows the difference between good and evil and can definitely navigate the shades of gray in between them. This sense of morality is what will guide a father. When temptation rises or when money is short and his workplace credit card is burning a hole in his pocket, when his child makes him angry enough to lash out, you see, the moral man will know what to do in each of these situations. There will be no doubt as to which is the correct path. A godly father is open-minded. An open-minded father allows his family a safe place in which they can explore their own dreams and desires and personalities and in which they can fully be themselves. This trait makes for a wonderful and happy home. You see, a godly father is loving Ask people anywhere what they wish their fathers had done better. And you most likely hear this. I wish he had shown his love more often. Looking at data from the U.S. Census Bureau, children who have loving, expressive, involved fathers are much likelier to do well in school and to develop empathy and to avoid risky behaviors. And, the, and what's more, these children are simply happier. They feel safe. They feel unconditionally loved. Oh, that's a hard one to find today, unconditional love. You see, a godly father is loyal. Loyalty is the trait that keeps families together in the hardest of times. A loyal, godly father is one that can be trusted to be there today, tomorrow, and the day after and forever. This is about the ability to commit, commitment, a step forward from mere patience. Loyalty is the ability to consistently stick by your choices, no matter the cost. And when a man makes a choice to become a godly father, a strong sense of loyalty becomes vital. This doesn't just mean a father physically stays with his family. Loyalty means much more than that. It means standing up for your family when others attack them or when life events lay them low. It means being there for them and keeping your commitment to in, in, ensuring the welfare of your children and spouses, and it means being consistent in all of these things. Loyal, good, godly fathers do not place work or recreation or friendships above their families. They put God first, and the result is a strong household that will not break beneath even the most violent of storms. A godly father is honest. Honesty is hard to come by in anyone, but to be a good, godly father, this trait is a must. Relationships are built on trust. This includes the relationship between father and spouse, as well as that between father and child. Honesty creates a sense of safety. When everyone can trust that dad's word is his bond, they know that they can go to him for anything and that they can trust him to do what he says he will do. Dishonesty is the death of closeness. You cannot develop an intimate relationship with someone who misrepresents themselves. So guys, quite honestly, in all things, in, in, in all of these things, it encourages strong family and godly bonds. Honesty isn't just about telling the truth. It's also about keeping promises. So men, if you say you're going to be at your son's event, be there. If you promise your spouse a date night on Thursday, make it happen. This lets uh, uh, the father's family know that they can depend on him for anything, making honesty an extremely valuable treat. A godly father leads by example. The father is the co-leader of the family unit and is also considered the spiritual leader of the house. 
what he does and what he shows to be permissible through his own choices, everyone else will do. That's why it is vitally important that good godly fathers lead by example. And that example is this. As for me and my house, we will always serve the Lord. This means putting into action all of the traits that I have just mentioned to you. It means being loving and honest and loyal, open-minded, moral, and patient. Now, I know that no one can be perfect, but if a father is able to physically act in these ways, he will plant the seeds of these traits in his own children, and they will one day do the same with their own children. See, leading by example provides what every good father should be, and that's a role model. The world is built on nations. Nations are built on communities. Communities are built on families, and families take their cues from the strong role models within their ranks. This means that if a father consistently makes harmful choices, his children may take the same path and through them will negatively affect the world. But if fathers begin making the right choices, and if they begin modeling good godly behavior and the wonderful effects this creates, he puts goodness and godliness out into this world. And what's more, his family will be happier, more stable beneath his guidance. So guys, in other words, the man God is looking for is more. A godly man is one who rejects passiveness, accepts responsibility, leads courageously, and expects a greater reward, God's reward. So I'm going to ask you to consider these three characteristics of a godly man tonight. Number one. A godly man demonstrates compassion. Passion. This culture seems to have, have two extremes for men. One is the hard, cold, and callous man like the Clint Eastwood or the Charles Bronson character. Who, he is one who expresses little or no emotion or no remorse. The other type of man is one who is almost effeminate, he has disregarded all the attributes of his testosterone and taken on the qualities which are equated with women. Quite honestly, guys, the taming of manhood is in large measure a culprit in the decay of Christianity today. Jesus was not an effeminate man. As a carpenter, he was required to be in really good shape as he went to the woods to manufacture his own lumber. And most likely, his body was in excellent shape. His physical abilities were obvious, and yet he was a man of compassion. When he saw the multitudes, the Samaritan woman at the well, and arriving at the tomb of Lazarus, he was moved with compassion. Godly men are compassionate. Godly men have a heart of flesh, and worldly men have a heart of stone. Paul writes that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faith, and gentleness, and self-control. And at least three of these fruits deal with compassion. The compassionate man sees the needs of others. It is not enough to see the need. He wants to do something about it. A godly man's nature is to do and to fix. Godly men are weary of talking about it. They want to do something about it. Godly men who stand in the gap and repair the wall are men moved to action by their compassion. This includes salvation. This includes a deep desire for God's word. This includes armoring up with the armor of God to protect their family from the wiles of the devil. And number two, godly men have deep convictions. And while I could have used the word commitment... I fear that the concept of commitment has fallen on hard times these days. You see, your convictions are unshakable. Your convictions are unbreakable. And your convictions are unchangeable. Sadly, too many of us men have convictions about things which really don't matter for eternity. You see, who wins the national championship is not really big stuff in light of eternity. Who wins the Super Bowl is light compared to eternity. Who is the number one golfer in the world is truly temporary and has no bearing on the kingdom of heaven. And who won the NASCAR race won't be listed on the walls of heaven. Godly men have deep convictions about the things of God and their reverence to the souls of men today. Quite honestly, 
Godly men are concerned about the souls of their family. Godly men are focused on the spiritual climate in their community. And the reason is simple. Godly men believe that Jesus is the only way to God, the only way to heaven, and the only way to eternal life. Their conviction is that everyone who doesn't know Jesus needs to find that relationship with Christ because life can only be found through the blood of Calvary, the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ, the blood that bridged the gap between God and man. I'm talking about the wonder-working power of the blood of Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. He is our high priest. He's the Lamb of God. He's our hope, our peace, our redeemer, our rock. He's always been our door, our way, and he is God. Listen, men, there is only one who has the words to eternal life, Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, and we all come together tonight to worship him in spirit and truth. Now, guys, a godly man will have his struggles. He will. For me, I can identify with the Apostle Paul when he writes in Romans chapter 7. Those things I want to do, I don't. And those things I don't want to do, oh man, oh man, I do them. He continues his testimony, though, by leaning on Christ in chapter 8, verse 1. He writes, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Now listen, men, I haven't reached my goal yet, but I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in, and I'm not going back. I'm pressing on, I'm leaning on, I'm reaching forward, and I'm trusting forward towards that goal of that high mark, the mark of the high calling of God through Christ Jesus. So men, listen to me. The godly man is so deeply committed that he says, if you want to go with me, let's go. If not, I'll see you later because if for me and my house, we got things to do in the Lord. We're not going to just talk about it, we're going to do it. And lastly, number three, a godly man displays Christ. Before you can display Christ, you must know Christ. You must follow Christ, and then you must walk with Christ. In other words, walk in the footsteps of Jesus. You must, as a godly man, pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow Jesus, and this is a hard thing for some people. The sad truth of today is that many people only know the church, I'm talking about denominations and buildings. They follow the church, and when the church disappoints them, they walk away from the church. Listen, when you put all your trust in man, then you will have to accept what man has to offer. Jeremiah 17 and 5 says this, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. You see, the very reason they walk away is because the entirety of their faith is wrapped around an institution or an organization or some preacher. Now listen, don't make no mistake. The person who knows Christ will be deeply committed to the body of Christ because the authentic church is the bride and the body of Christ. Can you say amen? The Bible never gives any credit to a believer existing apart from the body of Christ. It just doesn't happen. However... In America, many have come to the church bodies and have, have never been changed by the power of Christ because that power is lacking in our churches today. The fundamentals of prayer and of faith and of repentance and turning from sin and walking in holiness is missing in our churches today. A godly man is not conformed to this world but is transformed by the renewing of his mind. 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, and old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. See, 2 Corinthians 5 tells us of a transformation in your life. To, to know Christ personally is to be a new person. There is no other way. You cannot hang on to your old mindset and attitude and belong to Christ. Hanging on to your old mind and your old mindset may allow you to be a good man, but never a godly man. To know him is to be renewed in your mind and to have the same mind as Jesus. Consider this. The godly man knows Jesus because Jesus has transformed his life. 
The godly man follows Jesus. This was the disciples' calling and the call for all of men of God today. There's no other call. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. So come and follow me. Follow me to a river, a river the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. You see, following Jesus means uh, doing what he did. He touched people. He taught people. He served people. He brought people to the saving knowledge of salvation through him. His life was given to others, and so is the life of a godly man. God is searching for men full of compassion who can laugh and love and are strong in the Lord, men who have deep convictions, who will care for the lost souls and strive for the deeper things of God, godly men who will follow Jesus and bear the weight of the daily cross. God is searching and God is calling for men after his own heart. And it's not an easy call, men. It's not, it's not for the good man. It's for the godly man. I'm going to try to close. You see, the difference between a good man and a godly man is that the good man has two O's in good, where the godly man just has one O. Because the good man has taken something from himself and given it back to God where it belongs. Just as the psalmist David explains, he says, O Lord, my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. O Lord, how manifold are thy works. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Our Lord, my God, in thee do I put my trust. Listen, God did not send his Son to make bad people good. God sent his son to make dead people alive again. God is looking for godly men who will stand in the gap before him and before the land. Father, I thank you for this time of gathering. Father, I thank you for the anointing in my heart. Father, I'm praying that you will give us the love and the light and the guidance that we could be men that you would be proud of, that we could stand in the gap before the land, and we could stand firm and proclaim salvation through Jesus and none other. Father, I'm praying for the blessing upon these ministries. Father, I'm praying for uh, everything that these ministries would need, Lord God, to reach around the world to every lost soul that is seeking and searching and needs your loving salvation, Lord God, you would give it to them. Father, we love you. We bless you. We honor you tonight, and Lord God, we give you praise and thanks for all you have done in the past, all that you're doing in the right now, and everything you will do in the future. And Lord God, I pray all these things in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen.
drivers, I don't know what's going on in your life, but Jesus does. And he is the king that you need to bring your problems to. And you can do that right now. And it's as easy as A, B, C. Isn't it, Fred? Salvation is just that easy. A, B, C. First of all, admit that you are a sinner. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And B, you need to believe in Jesus. And in John 3, 16, we all know this verse, but let me go ahead and read it to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, if you did A and B, that you've admitted you're a sinner and you've believed upon Jesus Christ, the next you need to confess him as your Lord. And that's found in Romans 10 and 9. Yeah, Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And it's just that easy, A, B, C. Yeah. Romans ten thirteen says, For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love that word, whosoever. Me too. I'm a whosoever, and, and I'm glad I am. And you, my friend, are a whosoever, and God is calling you today to come to him and confess and believe and he will save you every time you may be a christian and you may have tons of problems but god still wants to you to load those problems on him so if you prayed that prayer it was a call at yeah. 618-383-2107 yeah you can call me or text me on that number or log on to lonesomeroad.org let us help you with your walk with Christ. We want to send you a Bible. We want to send you testimony books. We want to send you CDs. We want to send you podcast cards that will help you as you travel that old lonesome road. We close 
all of our programs with my testimony and song. What a great song, and what a place to be at the foot <laughs> of the tree. And that's what we're asking our listeners today is pray a prayer, get at the foot of the tree, and let Jesus use you in ways that you never thought, dreamed, or imagined. And what a great job Dennis McKay done on this song right here at the foot of the tree. Without hope, 18 wheels of lonesome at the end of the road. In my hand was a track the preacher had read, his words still echoing in the back of my head. I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past. Then I called his name This chance would it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Those 18 wheels are rolling that old lonesome road and I shared the good news wherever I go yes there's been a change I'm not the man I used to be and I tell everybody what's happened to me how I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past but I called his name This chance Could it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree And I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I'd been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Drivers, this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn, Lonesome Road Ministries, Church on the Road Radio, and we want to hear from you. Give us a shout. Our phone number is 618-383-2107 or log on to lonesomeroad.org. And if you can't give us a call, then just blow your air horn as you're driving by. <laughs> Thank you. 
Tempo, keeping perfect rhythm with the song. 